All right, good morning, church family. Good to see you guys. Hey, how many of you guys are thankful to be a part of a big vision that can make a difference when tragedy happens? Amen. I know I am. Uh, we got a lot going on, a lot going on today. And, uh, and I do want to draw some attention to some things that are happening specifically around our church family here in Cabot. Uh, we've got our life group and serve group launch that's happening today. Um, we've talked a lot about this. If, if you've been around more than a couple of weeks, you've heard us emphasize the importance of community and being connected and, and having a tribe of people around you that can be there uh, to support you. But also, there's something that's in you that there's someone around you that needs. And, uh, and so I'd encourage you, make sure that, that you, you prayerfully consider um, being open to being a part of one of our serve teams um, for sure, being connected in a life group so that you have that community, so that you have that tribe. And uh, a lot of other things going on. I, I, th I think probably the biggest elephant in the room for me is what's happening across our state. Uh, I think that, that what's happening right now, honestly, is like a spiritual picture of what can be happening in our everyday lives as believers. Because when we woke up this morning, we woke up to clear skies. It's beautiful outside. The weather's going to be nice today. But not 40 miles from us, there are people that are waking up this morning in complete and total devastation. They've lost everything. No insurance. It's a total loss. And, and I think if we're not very intentional, we could just wake up and go on living our lives because it's not affecting us directly here. And forget that even though the weather's nice, it's not nice for someone. And the, th and the same thing can happen in our lives, I think, spiritually. So I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. And I, I want to let you know, like, this morning, I am speaking from a place of conviction uh, I'm speaking from a place of understanding there's some areas of my life that I've missed what I want to talk about this morning. And, uh, and so please know that anything I say, I don't mean it in a condemning way. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But I do know that I need to respond to the conviction that the Lord is giving my heart about an area of my life that, that I know that I could be missing. Sorry, my iPad is messing up because someone wants me to share the password to NLC staff Wi-Fi. And now it's trying to share, but it's stalling out my iPad and it's frozen. So we'll just do this all from memory. If someone asks you, if someone asks you, what is the second most important thing that you do in life? How would you answer that question? Uh, because someone asked Jesus a similar question to that. They came to Jesus, they said, what, what's, what's the most important thing in life? What, what would be the second most important thing for me to do in life? And his response was this, to love the Lord your God with everything that you have, and to love your neighbor as 
yourself. To love your neighbor as yourself. And so when this person came and asked this question, and he said, as yourself, that's very important. Why? Because we love ourselves really well. Like, we are really, really good at loving ourselves. And I think, you know, obviously Jesus knew that, and that's why he specified it that way. Like, love others the same way you love yourself. 60% of conversation that we have with other people is going to be about ourselves. 80% of social media is about ourselves. Harvard actually did a study, and in this study, they were able to determine that there, when you talk about yourself, that there are these dopamines released. And the dopamines that are released in your brain are, it, 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 the feeling is a little bit better than eating rolls at Colton's and a little bit less than actually snorting cocaine. It's like right in that sweet spot right in there. And so someone, so someone that talks about themselves all the time, you can actually tell them you're on crack. <laughs> because it feels good to talk about yourself. This thing is still frozen. Reboot. I'll try to relaunch. Okay, there it is. Because I'm going to need to read some scripture from here too. So Jesus comes and he says, I want you to be as loving towards other people as you are towards yourself. Because you're crazy about you. I just want you to be crazy about other people too. And, and when he answered this, he said, look, it's not about accomplishments. It's not about being famous. It's not about all the things that you acquire. So he told this story. And this, the name of the story, this is a parable. We're in this series called Parables, using these stories that Jesus gave to teach us big kingdom principles. And he told a story about the Good Samaritan. And this story, most of us were aware of it. We've probably heard it before. There's actually thousands of hospitals around the world that are called the Good Samaritan Hospital because of this story. And the text is found in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. It says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him a question. Teacher, what must I do to receive eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? The man answered, well, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. You must love your neighbor as yourself. That's right, Jesus said. Do this and you'll live. But the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, so who is my neighbor? I think we all do this a little bit, you know? We, 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 we kind of want to justify where we're at. And so we think, okay, so we go to God, like, okay, fine, love my neighbor. So who exactly is my neighbor? Like, when you say neighbor, do you mean like my Facebook neighbors, you know? Do you mean like my, my neighbor that lives in my neighborhood? Do you mean like my, the, the person, my coworker? Like, what exactly do you mean by my neighbor? But Jesus doesn't actually answer the question that this man asked. He answered the question he should have asked. Because he asked who, but Jesus addresses how. Which is a much more important question 
to ask. Because we may be able to identify the who, but where we suffer and miss it, and I do, is how. How do we love them? I want to give you some principles from this because in this story, there's actually three different characters that Jesus outlines. And each one of them, they symbolize a different attitude or characteristic that any of us can have. And by the way, I have demonstrated all of these characteristics. And I've demonstrated all these characteristics in the last week. So all of us can struggle with this. Some of these characteristics, some of the, the, the people that are represented in the story, we could be those that look the other way. We could be those that look the other way. And this is the attitude of the first traveler that is coming along this road that Jesus is telling the story about. In verse 30, it says, There was a man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho where robbers attacked him, stripped him, beat him up, leaving him half dead. Okay, so I've actually been to the, 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 the highway that goes from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's very near the traditional route, okay? And this is down. Like it, Jericho is almost below sea level because it's down by the Dead Sea, okay? And, and so it's, it's, it's like 3,300 feet down through these mountains. It, it, there's caves. There's, there's a lot of places for robbers to hide. And so this was known as a very dangerous part, of Israel. And so he gets mugged. He gets attacked, stripped, beaten up, left for dead on the side of this road. And it says the first guy that comes along is a priest. That's who this guy is. It says in verse 31, it so happened that a priest was going down the road, but when he saw the man, he walked by on the other side. So I think this guy, he, he sees this hurt, and he walks by. He just ignores him. He keeps his distance. I'm sure all of us have done this at one point or another. I know I've done it with my kids. Like when I know my kids are getting ready to come and ask me for something, right, and I don't want to answer them, I'll just pretend like I don't see them, right? Like when you know somebody's coming to give, get, like request for you to do something or they're going to tell you something, you, you, sometimes it's just easier to just pretend like you don't see them. Like just keep on walking. Uh, I, I know I can be like this like when my kids are sick. Okay, this last week, this last week, we're at some friend's house and we're swimming and um, we never abide by the wait 30 minutes after you eat before you swim. We never do that. We always jump right back in the pool. And sure enough, Corbin, our son, he got back in the pool and he got sick to his stomach and he threw up in the pool, okay? Now, usually when that, usually when my kids get sick and they throw up, I will just pretend like I don't see anything going on. Like, the, the, I've got other things going on. It's, I'm big. Cody, she just jumps into action and that's what she, she, she leaped up she just, and it was like towards the side of the pool. She just reaches down and starts scooping out, throw out, throw up out of the pool. Like, just like starts scooping it out with her hands. And I'm just like over there watching her like. Like, I'm like, I ain't going near that without a hazmat suit. Like this. 
But I find so often we can do this with our attitudes. Like don't get too close to people because if they get sick, you're going to have to help clean up the mess. And so we avoid, we kind of keep a shallow barrier. <laughs> like, I, I, okay, I'll be your friend, but mm, like, not like, if you're moving, I'm going to help friend, okay? Because <laughs> that's when you find out who your real friends are. And I think that we could be in that place. Like, just pretend like we don't even see it. We could be like those that, that look but don't touch. Verse 32 says this, In the same way a Levite also came by and he went over. He looked at the man and then walked by on the other side. He, he goes over, sees what's happening, and then it's like, oh, and then walks back to the other side. So a Levite was a, like a temple assistant. So these first two guys are very religious and unloving. Because religion doesn't make you more loving. These guys are dressed in the righteous robes, but they're doing nothing when they see someone in pain. But this guy's even worse than the priest, because this guy, I mean, this is a pretty graphic scene, right? Like, here's this guy, he's naked, Bloody, half dead, beaten up, lying in a ditch on the side of this road. And this guy like walks over, sees him, and he's like, oh, that's interesting. Hmm, hate it for him. And then goes back to the other side of the road. Like he, like just long enough to snap a shot for Instagram. And then moves on. And I'm sure all of us are like, I would never do that. Have we ever been driving down the highway and seen a wreck and didn't stop and kept on driving? You know, most of the traffic when there's wrecks, it's not because of the wreck itself. It's because of rubberneckers. It's because people want to slow down and look at the carnage as they're driving by. Because honestly, if we're really honest, we're very intrigued by other people's pain. We like, there's a part of us that likes to be able to view other people's pain. That's why when you're at the checkout line, there's all those magazines about all these celebrities that are losing their marriage and all this stuff because the media has figured out, like, man, people really like feeding on other people's pain. They're drawn to that. We love to stare, but we hate to stop. We don't mind seeing it, but, whew. But God's saying, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? When we just stare without stopping, we're no better than this Levite. Like, yeah, I saw it. 
there's a third response that we can do. It's this third traveler, this Samaritan. In verse 33, it says this. We can be those that look and act. Because a Samaritan who was traveling that way came upon the man, and when he saw him, his heart was filled with pity. I love how Jesus loved to turn the tables on people. Um, because in this, now he's picking one of the most despised type of people that existed in this culture, a Samaritan. Because the Samaritan is half Jew. Like they, they're a mixed race people, and the Jews hated the Samaritans. They didn't even consider them people. And Jesus takes this despised, rejected person and makes him the hero of the story. <laughs> so Jesus is brilliant because not only is he touching on the issue of religion, he's also touching on the issue of racism. Which, by the way, there's not a lot of difference between the two. The spirit of religion and the spirit of racism are like first cousins. I find in so many different ways that they almost always coexist. And let's pretend like that's not the case here in Arkansas. Let's not pretend like we haven't seen that. I know I have. I've seen it. That spirit of religion and racism, man. And so Jesus is addressing this. The spirit of religion and racism. So this last week, one of the reasons why I'm really holding back and trying not to get too punchy and is because this last week, we found out about a family who had a relative that was in the hospital and their house was getting ready to be flooded. So they reached out and they said, we need to move, can we move everything out of my relative's house? And so we rallied some people and, and, and got them moved out of that house, got all, everything moved out of their house. And, and um, by the time, though, that I was available to go help, they had pretty much gotten done. And so, honestly, I was sitting there thinking, well, they're pretty much done. I've got a lot going on. I can be, I'm a pretty busy guy, you know, and I, I got a sermon I got to get ready and all this. And, and, and then I was just like, I felt like the Lord said, are you really that busy? You know, and so, so I reached back out to one of the guys I knew that was kind of coordinating and was finding out some about some of the other needs. And he said, hey, man, there's this other area of the city well, um, it's a big neighborhood that's getting ready. It's going to get flooded more than likely. And they're, so they're sandbagging down there and trying to get ready. And so he sent me an address and I drove down there. Anybody ever been to Rose City before? Okay. So I went into a Dixie neighborhood, predominantly black neighborhood. And, uh, and so there's a lot that I could go into. But we, so we just started helping these folks. We're, we're filling sandbags and we're, we're going, we're just trying to do everything we can. And one of the guys that was there, this black guy, he said, so where are you from? And I said, I'm from Cabot. He's like, well, like all of a sudden he was like, like he didn't know if he needed to defend himself or, and he said, really? I said, yeah. He's like, like Cabot, Arkansas? I was like, well, that's where I live, yeah. He's like, oh, okay. And I knew what he was getting at. 
unfortunately, we, we as a community, we still have a reputation to be unloving towards people with different skin color. You look around here right now, we are going to defeat that stat, and then we're going to defeat that mindset in Jesus' name. And I've said this before, and I'm just going to say it again. Look, I don't know if racist people make it into heaven, but if you're white and you happen to be racist and you make it into heaven, my prayer is that God puts your little shack right next to Lecrae for eternity. And I pray that he is bumping that base and driving you crazy. You might be kind of close to the glory of God, but you're not going to get to enjoy it that much. And if you're a black person and you happen to be racist, he's going to put you right next to the Duggars because there ain't a wider family on the planet. He's going to deal with it one way or the other if you make it to heaven. Some of y'all may need to deal with that spirit in you too. I hope the Lord helps you with it. I want to let you know this. If he doesn't, you need to find a different church. If you could call that place a church. Because if there is a place that accepts that kind of attitude and heart, I don't even know if they can be a church. But we don't hear. We don't hear. I'm sorry. I, I, I could lose 50 people out of this, out of this service. I'm okay with that. Because we're going to grow in other ways. And in Jesus' name, we're going to be, we're going to look like heaven. You need to know. Get this, get this. Jesus is not white. I know you've seen all the European pictures and paintings, and they're European. They're white. Jesus is not white. When Jesus comes back, a white Jesus is not coming back. Why Jesus is not coming back? I'm moving on. <laughs> it says in Matthew 7:12, Jesus says, "Always treat other people as you would like them to treat you." So how can we respond? First, we have to see the need. We have to see what they need in life. And this is a principle of sensitivity. It's a sense. You have to be sensitive. And I do believe that love begins with looking. You have to see it. You can't meet the need until you're willing to look into it. And verse 33 says, when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. Look, family, there are people that are wounded all around you. There are wounded people sitting in your row. And they are sitting in a row, but they are beat up in life and in a ditch. And we need to be able to see them. We have to be sensitive to where they're at, what they're struggling with. Look, there's been so many times in my life where I've, I've prayed, like, God, will you use me? And I know it. so many of those times when I've asked God to use me, I, I know without a doubt, the Holy Spirit just says, I will use you. Just slow down and see. Just slow down. Why is it that we don't see it? Look, I don't believe 
that the reason why we don't see, I believe 99% of you, it's not that you don't see because you don't care. It's not that you don't see because you're callous. It's not because, it's not, you don't see because, you, it's not because your heart's hard. You don't see because you're too stinking busy. I know that's the case for me. Because busyness kills love. And you can write that down. The truth is you can't love anybody. You can't love your wife. You can't love your kids. You can't love anybody when you're too busy. And, and, the, and the crazy thing is this. You can be doing something with your kids. You can be doing something with your spouse, but you're busy and you're not accomplishing what you thought you were going to be able to accomplish by doing that. You can be running around doing all kinds of stuff, all kinds of activities, but if you don't slow down and look them in the eye and see them, then you're just busy and you can't grow in intimacy and love when you're busy. You gotta be able to slow down. The busier you get, the less loving you're gonna be. That's just the way it works. You gotta slow down. Look, if I wanted my kids to, to see this great nation that we live in, I, I, I'm not gonna take them in a plane. Right? If I got in a train, we rode a train across our country, they, were, they would see a lot more, right? I mean, they'd see a lot more. It's slower. It's slower. It's going to take a while. I'm still not going to see. We could, go on, we could go in a car and drive slowly through communities and through towns and all that. We might see a little bit more, but we're still not going to see. We got on bikes, promise you. We're gonna, that's going to take a while. That's going to take a long time. We could see a lot more doing that. We're still not seeing. But the moment I begin to walk, slowly, that's when you begin to see. And I think that we need to be more intentional about walking slowly through the crowds so we can see. So we can see. 1 Corinthians 10, 24 says this. Look out for the, goods, the good of others. Look out for it. Look for it. But you have to see it. We also have to feel the need. Sensitivity starts with the eyes, but sympathy is it's in the heart. It's not enough just to see people's needs. Look, at one point or another, your emotions have to get connected to it, which means you've got to feel what they feel. I have to feel their emotions. I have to value their emotions. I don't have to agree, but I still have to feel. The Bible says weep with those who weep. One of the families that we were trying to help at one of our campuses, one of the campus pastors was telling me about this, and they sent a team out there, and somebody was there, and as they were helping him, somebody was taking pictures. You know, just trying to catalog. I'm sure they just, they had the best intentions. Like, people need to see what's going on. And, and the lady that owned the house that was about to go underwater, 
she went up to one of the leaders and she said, just so you know, this feels like a funeral to us. We're about to lose everything. Would you come and take pictures at my funeral? Like, would you come in there and just start snapping pictures all over the place? They just weren't feeling. They weren't feeling what she was feeling. I know they made the adjustment. They got it right. Verse 33 says, when he saw him, his heart was filled with compassion. So first the eyes got to see, but then the the heart's got to kick in at some point. So here's how you become a sympathetic person. You got to look and then you got to listen. You got to look, but then you got to listen. I think listening is the biggest key to sympathy. Not hearing and not listening to respond, but just listening. You got to listen to what God's saying, and then you need to listen to what they're saying. And then we also got to meet the need. And I would add to that, you got to meet the need quickly. Quickly. Don't just meet the need. Meet the need quickly. Don't wait. Don't procrastinate. Don't put it off. Don't say one of these days. In my experience, when you say one of these days, it becomes none of these days. It's just the way it works. Love is not just sensitive. It's not just sympathetic. Love moves. It moves. And it doesn't wait. Verse 34 says, He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. So he sees this guy and he went to him and he takes initiative. And some of you might say, well, I'll I'll help as soon as they come to me. But that's not real love. (laughs) That's not what Jesus did for you. I'll love them as soon as they come to me. No, he came to you. He, He gave up a lot to come to you. He says he bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine. Oil and wine? Like, why is he pouring on oil and wine? Because that's what he had. This guy is not a doctor. This is his lunch. <laughs> He's just using what he has. And some of y'all are, I can step up right now. I got some WD 40 and Jim Beam sitting out in my vehicle right now. I- not quite the same thing the alcohol does have or the wine does have alcohol which is a disinfectant and then the oil is a salve it can help soothe wounds and it says he bandaged him did he have like hey let me pull out my first aid kit he's using his own clothes to cover him to bandage him he just used what he had And I'm just asking you, just use what you have. Look, our people that work our Adopt-A-Block, that's all they do. They just show up. They show up. Every couple of weeks, they just show up in this neighborhood where there's just a lot of need. It's overwhelming. 
Do they have everything they need to fix everything? No, but they use what they have and they fix a lot because they just love on kids. Look, any person in this room has the ability to make someone else feel valuable. If you can't do anything else, you can do that. Just by being there, by listening, by knowing their story. But just use what you have, and I don't know what that is. You know, the truth is, I don't really have that much. But this last week, you know what? I'm good at lifting heavy things. So I went, and I sandbagged. That's all I did. That's what I had. I didn't have a lot else. And then I listened to some stories. Because the truth is, the neighborhood that I was in, look, those people felt forgotten a long time ago. And I'm not saying that every idea and thought and mentality they have is right or biblical or anything else, but it's their reality. And it's their perspective. And guess what? Their perspective is their reality. It doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. But all I can do is try to influence positive change in their perspective. And I promise you, a bunch of white people showing up in Dixie neighborhood and helping sandbag, it helped change some perspective. There was this, this man there, and he was just saying, look, it don't, what are y'all doing? This ain't going to help nothing. The water's coming. This ain't going to stop nothing. And I'm just like, uh, sorry. Then one of the other young men that was there, this guy named Antonio that I've been hanging out with during the day and just getting to know his story. He used to be in the Navy and, and uh, as a dental assistant in the Navy. And then he got out of the Navy and now he's working construction. And he's just telling me about his family that lives there and, and just some of their stories and all that. And we, we just were spending time together. And Antonio stepped up and he said, look, I don't care if the sandbags make any difference. Them being here has made a difference for me. Because it's changed my perspective. So the water may be coming, but something else is coming too. Hope. Relational barriers. Racial barriers can be broken. But you just got to show up. Proverbs 3.27 says this. Never walk away from someone who deserves help. Now you may be saying, but what if they don't deserve help? Okay, this is Old Testament, but it is under the New Covenant. So when it's asking that, when it says, go and help those that deserve it, by the way, because of Jesus, everyone deserves it. So you don't get to make the decision. You don't get to make the decision. You, you have to be obedient to who God tells you to go help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. Your hand is God's hand for that person. Never tell your neighbors to wait until tomorrow if you can help them today. Don't delay. Show kindness now. Look, when, when someone loses a loved one, you don't like, well, I'm going to wait a couple months, then, then call them. Someone's sick, you don't wait. 
Someone loses, someone has a miscarriage, you don't wait. You do what you can as soon as you can. You call. You do whatever you can, but you don't wait. So here's the deal. I don't, look, I know this. This is gonna be a long process of helping our state. I don't know what you're gonna choose to do, but as your pastor, I'm gonna choose to make sure that I show up. I'm gonna choose to make sure that I can just do what I can do with what I have. And I believe we have an opportunity because God is not surprised. It's not like he was sitting on his throne, one of the angels came running over like, God, there's flooding in Arkansas. What? Are you kidding me? How bad is it gonna get? God's not surprised, but God promises that he works everything, everything for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so I am gonna be on board with being a part of the good that God brings out of all this mess. That's the choice I'm making. And I'm just gonna ask you to do the same thing. Not just when it's flooding. There's people you need to see around you right now. There's people you need to hear. There's people you need to help. And I promise you, you're gonna be the one that gets the blessing out of it. Because I don't, I don't know, I really don't know if all, if all those sandbags that we put out, if it's gonna make any difference whatsoever. When I got down there and looked at it, I could see how maybe they probably weren't going to. But you know what? It helped me. It reminded me what's really important. It gave me some perspective. And I'm the one that got blessed. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads.